Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Have you looked around lately at the number of green spaces in our city? If you did, and then compared it back to maybe a few years ago, you'd find that they are in decline. And we're about to lose another one with this big redevelopment of Bishop Lucy Park in the years to come. And yeah, I know Bishop Lucy Park can be an awful dump at times. It can be dirty and filthy. We've talked about that. But still, it's a green space and could be used as such. There's a new group called the Making Space for Nature in Cork City Group have gotten together to promote green spaces in the city and to demand that as the city develops, we also keep green spaces and find and make more of them. Bernie Connolly joins me. Bernie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. This was prompted by the decision to uh, interfere with the size of Bishop Lucy Park, wasn't it? Um, It was really, and I suppose maybe it was more the straw that broke the camel's back of um, our our, um, partner in kind of, I suppose, bringing this coalition together, um, Neve Guyrie. And I suppose Bishop Lucy Park is a funny one, really, because it's not a, it's not a terrifically, um, how would you say, abundant park. I think we need to define what we need by real green spaces as well, you know. Um, but I think, um, I think it was just like another, just another blow, really, that public space was being given over to private um, endeavours, really, and that. You know, it, it, it was accumulation of lots of losses that we've seen over the years. And I suppose there has been a build up of, you know, people becoming more conscious as well of where trees are being taken down. And that may be by developers or maybe by individuals even in their own spaces. So it's um, it's not always the local authority. You know, I know um, that it's always nice for the media to, you know, focus in on that. But I think. I think there is a growing um, awareness within communities and for people that we need to also be protecting nature within the city. And whilst we need development, we also um, need to protect very much what's there. And, and, and actually, we need a lot of restoration too, because it's a much degraded habitat. There's a, there's a term, I suppose, PJ, that would be good for people to look at, and it's called the shifting baseline syndrome. And it's basically where gradually we accept as a norm, a much degraded landscape and a much degraded nature, you know, Mm. and and we see it all around now, you know, where we're not seeing the bees and the butterflies and the numbers we remember. So that's the type of thing. But actually, it's a gradual um, creep over years and years of not actually giving nature and biodiversity a priority within our urban landscape. And that's changing, which is Mm. great. So it's um, it's really time, though, we felt to, you know, focus in on this to bring people together on it, because it's not about um, really a big campaigning lobby group. It's about um, bringing people together. So we actually did have a meeting on the 9th of July, which was an open public meeting that anyone could come to. That was really um, well attended and really you could see that it was something people needed. People needed to express what they felt about what was happening. People needed to express what they felt about how important nature was to them and why they wanted to see it protected and conserved and restored. And then, you know, out of that came, uh, I, I suppose, one of the, which surprised me a little bit, was one of the recommendations out of that was actually we needed a body that could, you know, 
have the skills and the knowledge to make submissions and to influence mm. policy because that's what community people were saying to us. I mean, there's fantastic work being done in communities and a lot of them have really good biodiversity plans at a local level, but they felt it was the gap between, say, policy and legislation and that was where they felt they weren't as well equipped as mm-hmm. they needed to be. So that prompted um, what we're going to try and do now and replicate what we have in Cork, which is fantastic for transport, the Transport and Mobility Forum, um, to have the same for nature and to bring together agencies, organizations that have a role and have, um, yeah, a role and a function with regard to that, but also that we bring this together because, uh, um, you know, we need a whole of society approach and we need a whole approach to this, not people working in silos, but actually coming together. Mm-hmm. And we're all we're all trying to do the same thing. And I think nobody is against this. I think this is something that actually the city council is very supportive of, yeah. you know, um, the agencies like the National Parks and Wildlife Service, the, you know, Inland Fisheries Ireland, that's their day to day job. Yeah. And you know, I think it's really important to come together more so on this May issue. Look at, uh, just one thing that comes up: you mentioned that you mentioned development, and there's also the question of of progress. So a city has to develop; it has to make progress; it has to grow as a commercial center, um, jobs and businesses and all that. So th- that side of the city has to grow and develop. You believe, I, I think it is, Bernie, is that you can actually have both. You can have the development, you can have the progress, you can have the modern building and the modern developments and you can have green spaces with next to and around them. Yes, for sure. And and it's about how you make decisions around how that land is used and where that development takes place. And what you we don't need is erosion, further erosion of areas which are really, I suppose, like they're, they're remaining rare, unique segments of really wonderful green space. And recently we had um, cause to make a submission on a strategic housing development in the Kilbarry area for that very reason, that part of that, most of that site actually, in fact, is a really wonderful space for nature. And also there would be areas of that site which would be appropriate for recreation and amenity space for people. And we know now how important um, green space being in nature is for for people as well, for their health and well-being. So, I mean, cities need to look after people's health and well-being as well. And we can't just have development randomly everywhere because everyone's crying out for housing. You know, it has to be appropriate and it creating kind of in that situation, it's creating a car dependency as well. So we're just going to increase traffic and not have people living in, in good spaces. So we can have both. For sure, we can have both. I mean, we see the dereliction in the city. Yeah. We There's there's a lot other people, you know, working on that and really, you know, doing a great job in, in highlighting that. So we need to address those issues and we also need to develop areas that are more appropriate for housing and I think I think where things fall down you know the city council has a good um, city development plan they did make a few last minute decisions around um, you know residential housing um, that we wouldn't exactly we wouldn't support but at the same time um, you know they have had a survey into the blue and green infrastructure there is a lot more thought being given to that but you know like in the case of strategic housing it goes directly to onboard Panola so actually the local authority doesn't have any yeah. you know influence over that per se so yeah we, we think we can have both and we think we can develop much better and what 
what would be disappointing in one sense is even when we're renovating buildings for other uses and I'm thinking of say the Maldron in the South Mall yeah. we don't look at putting in any kind of green greening of those buildings or of those structures all we're building now in the city is very much you know these over glassed you know, very modern type buildings that actually don't have anything for nature there. And with the climate changing, mm. are they really the appropriate structures that are we you, have as well? Are you suggesting, Bernie, and I'm not, you, you, you mentioned them, Aldrin, but we're not singling them out, but if, are you suggesting perhaps that green space or provision for, for green space be included in planning? That you get permission for oh, yeah. your building, but you've got to put You've got to take a, a, a green site. You've got to put in a green space. You've got to put in a garden, even if it's a rooftop garden. You've got to have trees. Are you saying that these things be made planning conditions? I think it would be really great if they. I, I think that's the only way that we'll get to see um, things change. And at the moment, we get developments, and they're all around Cork, where you see greening that's done, even where there is garden space. And the species that are used are just of no benefit. They're probably most of them, you know, in a lot of cases, no native species. And native species, you know, have a lot more benefit to our to our, you know, um, species that need them. So because they, you know, whether it's the trees or the plants, they have had hundreds and hundreds of years of developing together. And that's why native is always better. But we see kind of low maintenance bushes and different types of planting that yeah. really is of no benefit at all to nature. So, so in so other words, it's not so much even, it's not even the green, that do, it's not even the space you want. You want, you want to determine what goes into it. I mean, okay, there is a green space requirement in New York for new developments and, and in, in London or Amsterdam, if you, if you have a building and you say that, that there's going to be this garden or whatever, it helps you get permission. But are you suggesting, Bernie, that that's not enough? That in actual fact, you need to deter, you need to be able to tell them, well, that's lovely to have a green space, but you need to put this into it, not that. Yeah, I think I think you do. And you actually have it already a bit in more maybe in the county areas where, you know, when people are putting in hedges, they're they're asked to put in, you know, um, native species, you know, fruiting, flowering hedges in their, you know, when they're doing development. Um, I don't know that that's a strict application, but I mean, it certainly is a recommendation that goes in now, um, you know, when when planning is given for those things. But the sad thing about it is often you have developments in rural areas as well, where the first thing they do is take down the trees or, and in the city. I see it out in the Ballyhooly Road. They take down all the hedges and all the trees and then they do a replanting scheme. You know, which is absolutely crazy instead of retaining what you can of what's already there because the habitats that are already there, you destroy. And just putting in saplings, putting in, you know, plants that will take ages to create that habitat again isn't the same thing. So that isn't restoration. You know, that is just, I mean, that is just kind of very basic stuff. But it, it, we should be preventing as much as possible retaining what's there already. Okay, it's interesting. Bernie, thank you. It's an interesting discussion going forward with planning. We have to plan and develop our city, but let's put in green spaces as well. And in New York, it's, it's now a thing. If you want to develop, say, a block, you need to tell the planning authorities what green space you will put in, how will you maintain it, what you'll put in there. It's a requirement for permission for new development in New York. So it's, it's not exactly rocket science. It's not new. 
Cork's 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.